If you have your Bibles this morning, I would invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The title of the message this morning is This Is Why. This Is Why. Someone that was trying to goad me was trying to get a rise out of Brother Nate the other day, facetiously said to me, why can't we just have crackers and grape juice like everybody else? They, They were trying to get at me, you know. But it does beg the question, doesn't it? Is the glory... Is the glory of Christ and His church important to you? Does it matter? Does the truth matter? Does the gospel matter? There's so much out there in in the world now. Many people are choosing to just stay at home and watch church on television. That's, That's there. There is a prosperity gospel that's out there that the world loves and embraces. There is entertainment uh, and man-centered worship that's out there for whoever desires uh, to serve or have their religion in that way. And I will tell you, and honestly say that there's nothing magically spiritual about having real wine there's nothing magically spiritual about having real unleavened bread rather than grape juice and crackers like everybody else there's nothing spiritually magical about uh, the water that you are baptized uh, with all these things, what, what matters, and this is why it matters, is because obedience to Christ matters. Because it is in our, the closest that we can to our obedience to Christ that we receive the greatest blessings from God our Father. And so it matters. And why that we have real wine today and real unleavened bread this is wise because it touches our obedience to Christ. And let me tell you, it, it, it is something special in the Lord's Supper uh, and the blessing that we receive in it and in the other ordinance of baptism, it is because of faith and the power of, of faith. I love what Augustine said. He said, He that believes has eaten. And there's a lot of truth uh, in that that statement if if you understand that that statement. But the blessing that that we get in baptism, the blessing that we also get in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper is in obeying Christ. It's in obeying Him. And it is in dwelling upon Him and who He is and, and what He has done. That is the great blessing that 
uh, comes to the people of God who, who strive with all that is within them to remember him and to remember him the way that he has desired and taught us to remember him. So this is why. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll begin here. The Apostle Paul says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. I just want us to, to think about that. And what a challenge that is for all of us who want to be used by God to, to help and encourage others to follow Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thing that the Apostle Paul said, be followers of me as I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So does it matter how we follow Christ? Does it matter how we practice? Does it matter what we believe? Does it, do all those things matter? And, and the answer is yes, they do. They're very, very, very important. And so he says, now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. The Apostle Paul, as an apostle, had received the ordinances from the Lord Jesus Christ. The ordinances that we observe, the Lord's Supper and the ordinance of baptism, are the ordinances of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are ordinances that He has also given to His people and to His church to observe and to keep the way that He has commanded us to observe them and to keep them. That word ordinance is there. In the Greek it is paradosis. Paradosis. P-A-R-A-D-O-S-I-S. In other places in the scriptures it is also translated tradition. Tradition. Paul says, I'm praising you brethren because you have remembered me in all things. You are trying to follow Follow me as I have followed Christ. You're following an example. You're following a pattern. And he says, I'm praising you because you didn't just follow however that you wanted. You just didn't preach whatever that you wanted to preach. You didn't just worship however that you wanted to worship. You didn't just baptize however that you wanted to baptize. You didn't just observe the Lord's Supper however that you wanted to observe it. But you kept the ordinances as I delivered them unto you and beloved I would submit to you that that is just as important today as the day when the apostle Paul wrote it down it's very important because it is tied to our obedience to Christ and thus to the glory of Christ R.C. Sproul said this about the Lord's Supper the Lord's Supper is an act of worship. And I agree with that. The Lord's Supper is an act of worship. It is communion with Christ by faith. And it's something that is sacred. It is something that is holy. And isn't it amazing with all the things that have been lost or neglected through time, yet today, in a, in a few moments when we have finished preaching, we will observe something. 
in the exact same manner, with the exact same elements that was observed by Christ and His followers and His church 2,000 years ago. That's amazing, isn't it? That's the preserving power of God. And it's something that is so special. It's something that's so unique. And, it, and it's something that honors the Lord. Now, I know that, that there's just a few of us here. And these COVID times are, are tough times, beloved. I, you know, I tried to have the date for communion where everybody could be here. And <laughs> what does it say? The best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. There's so many things, you know, that we can't control. We can't, we can't control COVID or, or sicknesses or things that, that happen that uh, prevent us from all being together. But what I want to tell you is no matter how many or how few are here, when we gather together and by faith, those of us that are here and that love Christ, when we, in simple faith, meditate on Him and think about all that He is to us and we do this in remembrance of Him and we wash one another's feet, I tell you, God is pleased in heaven and He will bestow upon us a blessing that's far better than anything else that this world has to offer. And this is why that it is so important. So let's just go in the Gospels because we were given this example, this memorial in every Gospel. Let's go first to Matthew 26. And we're not going to make a lot of a comment, maybe just a few comments about some of these things in, in each place. But let's just remember how it was and, and that it is recorded for us. So that, that we may also, uh, in the same manner that, that they shared this with Jesus, we also by faith as His body and as believers in His name that are following Him, that we might also uh, be able to observe it and have it with Him as well till He comes again. So Matthew 26, beginning in verse 26, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. Notice that it doesn't say crackers. Can I get an amen? <laughs> it doesn't say crackers. It says bread. And we know that it was that unleavened bread that was uh, used in the Passover feast of all the way dating back to what we're fixing to study about in the book of Exodus in the next few months. It was unleavened bread. And he blessed it and break it. And gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth, of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. 
And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. My brothers and sisters, I present to you that that's exactly how it was. That's exactly how it was. And that's exactly what was said. And it was branded and burned in the souls and in the minds of the early church. And they observed it exactly the way that the Lord had commanded them to. Do you rejoice in that? I rejoice in that today. And you know I rejoice in what Jesus said here. And I think it is very important that we notice that when he was talking about his blood of the New Testament, that he did not say that it was shed for all. But he said that it was shed for many. That's an exclusive term, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, what, what I'm rejoicing about is not that, uh, it, that it didn't, what I'm rejoicing about is that he didn't say that it's shed for few. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but that he said, hallelujah, it is shed for many. I can get myself into that number, hallelujah, that the elect of God, or as, or as the sands of the seashore and as the stars of the heaven, that they are out of every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue, and they're a host that no man can cover. And Jesus' blood has been shed for them all, and not a drop was wasted. But with His balmy, precious blood, He redeemed all the elect family. Of God, all those that had been given to him by the Father before the world began, all those names that were written in the Lamb's book of life, that blood is shed. That body was broken and that blood was shed. That's why we don't offer the Lord's Supper to unbelievers. It is a believer's table, uh, it is a disciple's table that we come to today and that is why, and this is why. In Mark chapter 14, in Mark's gospel, who a lot of theologians and myself believe uh, Mark is writing uh, and is secretarying for the apostle Peter. And when I preach through the gospel of Mark, we see many things that point to Peter's uh, authorship. But here in Mark chapter 14, almost verbatim the same thing. Beginning in verse 22, And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and brake it and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Hallelujah. Almost verbatim. Again, something that's very, very important for us. Let's go now to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. Here is Luke's recording of this wonderful, wonderful Wonderful supper. 
Luke 22, beginning in verse 14, And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And then in the Gospel of John, the supper itself is not recorded and explained, but the concept and the truth behind it all is uh, even, uh, even fleshed out more for us in the teachings in John chapter 6, where Jesus explains how he is the bread of heaven and the bread of life and how important that it is. And we'll just begin in verse 53. These are very important for us to understand. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink His blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. And we know in another place, he said, unless ye eat my flesh and drink my blood, ye have no part in me. So this, beloved, is the ordinance. This is the tradition that the Lord Jesus Christ set the example for his disciples and for his church to be carried out until he returns again. First, we have the element of the unleavened bread, which is a symbol of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, and remind ourselves of the power of, of this blessed truth. See, because it was debated in the early centuries of Christianity, whether Jesus had a real body or not. And the uh, councils that uh, 
met and determined that Jesus did have a literal human body, hallelujah, uh, for that and for the stands and the truth that was declared in that. Jesus had a human body just like you and I, beloved, just like you and I. He was 100% man and 100% God. Now, Jesus also had a human will. A lot of people don't understand this. Jesus not only had a human body, but he also had a human will. Now, the truth is, just like his body, his human body and his human will was in complete submission and subjection to the divine will. And nobody else has ever been like that or ever will be like that. And praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ that he was able to completely submit both his body and his will to uh, the Godhead. Uh, because we know, he says, I came not to do my own will, right? But the will of him that sent me. He says in the garden, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And we read here, and this is what is so wonderful when we think about his body. And what he did in his body was that he kept the whole law of God to a jot and to a tittle. He lived a completely righteous life so that he might give his people that righteousness. You and I have the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And beloved, that is the only way that you and I have any hope of heaven and immortal glory. That because without holiness, no man shall see the Lord, but Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, took your unrighteousness and my unrighteousness upon His body, and His body was broken, and God removed our sins as far as the east is from the west, and He has given to us and placed upon us the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That gives us hope today. But look at this in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Now bulls, and goats and lambs and their blood and their had been shed and their bodies had burned been burned upon the altar for centuries, but none of them had ever taken away or removed sin. It just pushed it down the road, is all that it did. He said, Then said I, this is Jesus Christ, lo. I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me and listen to his heart to do thy will. Oh God, that needs to be our heart. That needs to be our determination. And beloved, why that we don't just have crackers and grape juice. This is why, because as beat in the heart and body and will of the Lord Jesus Christ to do the will of God, so it should in our hearts as well. I want to do your will. 
I want to do your will. Oh, God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offering and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Once for all. Hallelujah. That's why we don't believe that every time that we take the Lord's Supper, that Christ's body is present and it's broken and crucified over and over again. Hallelujah. Because that was done once for all. It is finished. Amen. It is finished. And you and I that have received Christ by faith, that faith that is a gift from God, beloved, know and believe and feel the blessing that you are right with God. You have been justified in the eternal heart of God. You are right with God. You stand faultless before God. You are washed. You are cleansed. You are sanctified. And oh, when you take that broken unleavened bread into your body today, oh, praise Jesus Christ and say, this is why. Because with your broken body, you sanctified me and you gave me a righteousness that I could never get on my own. It was unleavened bread, wasn't it? Unleavened bread. What's the difference between leavened bread and unleavened bread? We all know, right? It is the yeast that is put into the mixture. And when the yeast is put into the mixture of the bread and the bread is baked, it causes the bread to rise and to be puffed up. And I just love the, the teaching through the years about how that, that so pictures the Lord Jesus Christ in His humbleness, in His condescension, in His humility, that, beloved, he, though He were the King of the universe, though He were the Creator, Jehovah Yahweh God, when He came, He made Himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant. He came from Nazareth as a Galilean, as a man of sorrows. Didn't have a place to lay His head. No pride in Him at all. Oh, how we should love Him. How should we should adore Him. How much we should want uh, to follow Him. And adore Him and worship Him and do His will. Bread is, is the, the symbol of the daily substance that mankind needs to live. I ask you, can you live a day without Jesus Christ? If I had to live a day without Him, it would be hell to me. Hallelujah. We can cry out, Father, give us this day our daily bread. Not only asking for that which is natural, but that which is also the bread of life. That that we truly live upon. Christ Himself. 
who is our life, not puffed up, our daily substance. We, we read in the scriptures that he took the bread and he blessed it. Oh, beloved, and as we are also his mystical body, as we also are joined to him, may we be willing to suffer. May we realize how blessed that we are. And may we also be a daily blessing everywhere that we go. May we also be that way. Not, of course, as as he is, but as he has called us and blessed us to be. We say about Jesus Christ and his human body that he was holy that he was harmless, that he was undefiled. He is the only human being that has ever lived a sinlessly perfect life. Muhammad can't say that. The Buddha can't say that. The Dalai Lama can't say that. None of the gods of this world or their prophets can come anywhere close to the pristine nature and example and life of the Lord Jesus Christ beloved he was perfect he is perfect and one day he is going to perfect us and we're going to be as he is do you rejoice in that because I'm not perfect today hallelujah my savior is and his body is there to show me again today that I am, I am tied to Him. I have a vital and virtual union with Christ. Like Brother Andy said, we died with Him, but hallelujah, so we live with Him. And we live upon Him. His body was, His flesh was broken in His sufferings. And all the purpose of it was to make us righteous. It's awful to think about what happened to Jesus. But we should. It would make us hate our sin more. Do you know they spit on him, Zay? Men spit on, they spit on Jesus. They went up, Zay, to him and they grabbed his beard and they pulled the hairs out of his face. They smote him. They hit him while he was blindfolded. And said, who hit you? Man, you want to talk about bullying. Jesus got bullied. Jesus got bullied. They took him. They took his outer robes off. They tied him. Bent him over. Some boards. They took a scourge. A leather whip. That had pieces of bone. And stone in it. And they whipped him. They flayed him. And with his stripes, beloved, we are healed. And then in that broken, miserable condition, yet not finished, they made a crown. Gigi, I was thinking about that that beautiful crown they put upon you as homecoming queen. Jesus didn't receive that kind of crown but a crown of thorns. They mashed it upon his head. 
And then they took him to Golgotha, place of the skull. They took him to Calvary's mountain. And one hand they stretched to the east. And they nailed it to the cross. And the other hand they stretched to the west. And nailed it to the cross. And then both feet pinned to the bottom. And they crucified him. And there he hung suspended between heaven and earth. Struggling up and down on the cross for breath. He said, I'm thirsty. They gave him vinegar and gall. The people came by, his enemies, to make fun of him, to laugh at him. His mother was there, Mary, and the apostle John. And even in his weakest, most agonizing hours, he made sure that Mary was cared for, that John would take care of her. And then he said, and he, he groaned out, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. But even then, it wasn't over. For the soldiers came with the spear. And they thrust it into his side. And out came blood and water. And all these things that he went through, not for Anything that he had done wrong. Not one word. Not one action. But because he wanted us to be right with God. Because he wanted us to share in all the joys of heaven. And to know him and, and love him as Savior and Lord. He endured all those things. And his body was broken in his suffering. To make us righteous. So that's why. Forgive me if it's more than just crackers. And grape juice. It's unleavened bread. And it represents the body. The broken body. Of my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. I think he's worthy. That we try to observe that. And remember him. In the exact way. That he commanded us to and I believe that there will be great blessing for us and honor to him in that oh beloved he said this is my body which is broken for you and isn't it amazing that with all that that he went through Zay all that terrible agony that not one bone of the Lord Jesus' body was broken because it was prophesied that his not a bone would be broken and not a bone was broken. Hallelujah. Not a bone was broken. But his, but his flesh was. Think about that today when, when we take that and when you see that about how much that it, that it means and and thank the Lord Jesus that he was willing to go through that. And, and think about that for the things that, that you go through.
the trials that you have and know that it pales in comparison to what he was willing to endure for you and for me. And then we have the wine and, and the blood. The wine and, and the blood, the fruit of the vine. Let's go all the way back to the Old Testament. And we know that the scripture tells us without the shedding of blood that there is no remission of sin. The blood of Jesus Christ is the most powerful element in all of the universe. It is, beloved. And this wine that we will drink today is a symbol and an emblem of that blood. And here in the book of Leviticus chapter 17, we read in verse 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Amen? Yes, I know it was the blood. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. The fruit of the vine, red as blood. Do you know how wine is made? They take the grapes, they pick them off the vine, right? And, and they put them into the press and, and they're crushed and, and they're pushed and, and they're strained every bit and, until the juice comes out. And then they take the juice, they take the fruit of the vine and they add the sugar to it and and they allow it to ferment. Mm. What made the blood of Christ so precious? Wasn't it, wasn't it just O positive and O negative or just like, like ours? Oh no, it was, it was fermented. It was fermented with all of His grace. With all of His mercy. With His eternality. So that, that His blood never diminishes. But He entered to the holy place once. And He wiped His blood on the mercy seat. And forever our sins will be removed. Not just forgiven, but expiated. Removed forever. That's power. That's wonder working power. That's, that's more than just grape juice, beloved. Yes. This is blood. This is balmy blood. Do you need balmy blood? I need balmy blood for my salvation. The Passover lamb blood that can be wiped over the sides and, and the top and the doorposts of my heart so that death will pass me over. I need that kind of blood. The blood of the lamb. That blood that is better than the blood of Abel. Though Abel were a righteous man. And God said I hear the blood of Abel crying to me from the earth. But Abel's blood was crying out for vengeance. But Christ's blood cried out for mercy. For mercy. Wiped on the mercy seat. Unwasted. That's why the 
uh, definite atonement or the limited atonement that we call that we call it why we stand for it here why it's important here because we don't believe that Christ shed his blood in vain because we know what his shed blood meant his shed blood meant that he obtained redemption that it was actually sins were removed and if it was shed for all of mankind then all of mankind's sins are removed and expiated. But he said. This is the blood. Of the New Testament. Which is shed. For many. For the remission. Of sins. All beloved. Great controversies. Over the years. Have. Come upon. This great ordinance. You know. That. People of, of Catholic and 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 several other uh, Christian uh, churches, they actually teach that when the mass is offered, when the bread is broken and and given to the people and and the wine, that it actually they call it transubstantiation. They say that it actually turns into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Beloved, that is a false teaching. That, that is not correct. To, for that to be true, Christ will be crucified over and over and over again. But we know that the bread and the wine are just symbols and emblems of Christ's sacrifice, of who He was and of, of what He did. And we partake them by faith by faith so you have that transubstantiation well then you had in the days of the reformers what they called consubstantiation they said that christ was present in a spiritual sense the reformers were kind of divided on this uh, issue they said that in some way that the spirit of christ is, is present and becomes more present when uh, we receive the bread and body of the Lord, but the Baptist family have always held that the bread and wine are only the emblems or symbols of Christ's finished work and that there is a special blessing by faith when we do partake of them in obedience to Christ. And that's where the blessing is, is in our obeying Christ through simple faith. And the blessing is it's at this time and in this way that we're able to kind of think upon Him and meditate upon Him in a way that really draws us close to the Lord and to His heart. And He meant for it to be that way because He said, do this in remembrance of me as oft as you do it. Do it in remembrance of me. And so as we observe this ordinance, it's something that, that we should sacredly observe. We should never come to the Lord's table without a deep self-examination of our hearts and of our lives, making sure that we have come to the Lord, however sinful that we've been, and asked Him to forgive us and cleanse us and help us to be repentant and to be serious about living for Him and, 
and following after him, you know, if, if you think that you're worthy today to take the bread and body of the Lord, you're not. But if you think and believe and know that you're unworthy, then you are worthy <laughs> because you know that it's his worthiness that allows you to be at his table but we should we should always come to it with a self-examination and realizing that this is Christ's pledge to us his undying pledge to us that that he that he is ours that that I am his and that he is mine that's what we are going to be blessed to take part in today and so this is why this is why this is why we've got members that are willing to come all the way from Tupelo and drive members that are willing to come all the way from Memphis and and drive people that are are willing to come even though there's so much in this world that would try to tear us away and so much against us to try to tear us apart yet we have something that's so special that's so sacred that binds us together and this is part of what it is this ordinance this paradiso this tradition may the Lord uh, bless us today as we um, enter in into communion with the Lord uh, to do so in a way that honors and glorifies Him. Thank you so much for your good attention. All right.